37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal. I am Sean. I'm getting sick with the nasty jam. And with me, as always, is Preston. Preston, buddy, how are you? Uh, I just got over the nasty jam myself. And then tonight, Mm -hmm. I decided that I was going to make, uh, not by my my own, my wife wanted me to make, you know, buffalo chicken wings in the air fryer. And, uh, you know, my basement now smells like fried chicken. So it smells like Wingstop <laughs> in my house. But other than that, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodiles and crocodingos and skeletor, skeletes, witchers and witches and ghoul and ghoulettes, I'm doing pretty fucking good. <laughs> awesome. Hey, my house too smells like chicken. Um, Shayla made some shawarma chicken thighs uh, before I got home tonight, and we had a little uh, shawarma and hummus. Oh. And it still smells kind of peppery. Kind of like uh, Indian food, and like which like it normally is great, but with my sinuses being jacked up, it's super super spicy. And like an idiot, I had uh, my microphone uh, muted. So uh, hey, that's okay, man. You know what? This episode is going to be a short one anyway, just because I don't know that I can go more than about twenty thirty minutes without having to clear my throat a hundred times. So or the computer crashes. Yeah. I mean, folks, we're living on the edge tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're living dangerously. Yeah, my computer is doing its very best job to limp by as we record this evening, so I'm not sure what's going on. But anyway, um, I found a really interesting news story to share on this episode, and then it kind of snowballed into a couple really interesting stories on top of that. So the theme tonight, folks, is Russian UFOs. And why not just get right into it, huh? From Newsweek.com, this story came from just a few days ago at the beginning of January. But anyway, a mysterious object described by one local news outlet as a UFO has been shot down in southern Russia in the region of Rostov. Now, Vasily Gulabev, the governor of Rostov Oblast, wrote to the telegram saying that a small-sized object in the shape of a ball had been discovered flying around in the wind at an altitude of around one and a half miles on January 3rd, with the object spotted above the village of Sultan Sala in the region's Mayanshnilovsky district, which I know I definitely pronounced 100% correct. Gulabev said the decision was made to liquidate the object. I urged everyone to remain calm and to ensure security, all forces and means involved have been taken account for. The sky is covered with an anti-aircraft defense without specifying exactly what the the object was. In reporting his comments, local news outlet Pivyat Rostov carried the headline that said a UFO in the form of a ball was shot down in the sky. Telegram channels that night described how air defense systems in Rostov had been operating, And the channel, which I won't even dare to pronounce, but it means caution news. (laughs) Oh, hell, why wouldn't I try to pronounce it? Ostevania Nastrafi 
Novosti. You get an A plus for that. Man. Yeah, A plus for almost. (laughs) (laughs) They published a video showing a shining object flying and then exploding in the sky. Look, another one has gone, someone is heard saying in the clip, which was captioned, another video of the work of Rostov Regional Air Defenses. A witness told the channel how there's a very strong explosion and that everything in the house shook. We realized that the air defense were in operation. Uh, pretty wild stuff. Preston, what do you think, man? It kind of reminds me of like maybe the Nazi bell. Yeah. Yeah, um, that or, uh, you know, somebody like Russian army or maybe the Ukrainian army have a, or maybe even us, maybe the good old US of A, it's like, you know what, guys, we have a 25-year-old UFO that uh, we designed that um, is pretty much outdated, but what the fuck, you guys could use it, and we just gave it to them and said, have fun, (laughs) you know what, let the comrades have it, and that's what's floating around, or... You know, the other side of that coin is the the Russians have like 25-year-old UFO technology that's pretty shitty and it's floating around and they're just trying their best to keep up with the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah. I like the idea that we just threw one over the fence for them. Well, here you go. Be careful. You'll poke (laughs) your eye out with that thing. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't hit the red button. Red rider, red army. I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen a lot of uh, headlines lately of UFOs, not just, you know, civilians accounting for these, but actual, you know, observations made by members of the U.S. Army and other armies, such as, you know, the Russian. Um, What's interesting here is that the Pentagon's brand new all-domain anomaly resolution office, i.e. the AARO, has started coming out making public announcements of all these UFO sightings um, that the actual government has made. So we're talking about pilots and Navy and other members of the U.S. military. The agency set up the AARO for military pilots and others who may be hesitant to report the presence of UFOs and UAPs. So, I mean, this news line about Russia shooting down a UFO is just going to be a drop in the bucket, I think, that we're going to see this year in headlines because, you know, in 2021, God, how many reports did we have? Like over a hundred headlines and news stories were out there about UFO sightings, whether they hit, you know, mainline media or just kind of got shoved aside in, you know, MSNs, (laughs) you know, news beings. I don't know, but I think we're going to see a lot more of it, man, because it's just stacking up. And I think it's at the point now where there's just too many for us to be ignoring them. Foo Fighters are coming back, baby. The Foo Fighters are right. back. I mean, at least that's what it looks like to me. And I think the U.S. military alone has realized they just can't keep, or government, sorry, the U.S. government realizes they can't keep a lid on it anymore. You know, there's just going to be too many of them. You know, there's such an influx of people coming forward saying, oh, shit, yeah, I saw one too. I was just too scared to say something about it. And also, I think it also goes for public transparency and and public safety. We report these things via the military to show the, you know, citizens and population that we are taking it serious and that there's nothing to be afraid of, folks. Well, the Russian shooting down the UFO story made me do a little digging into other UFO uh, incidents in Russia. And I found two pretty interesting stories that we thought we'd share on this episode. Because oddly enough, two separate stories kind of lead into each other. So Preston, why don't you take the reins here, buddy, while I wet my whistle. 
Man, I really hope that in the story that you gave me, there's no, like, I didn't pre-read this. So I don't want to, like, fucking get a B in pronunciation. <laughs> Anyways, in late August 1980, <laughs> early one morning around 5 a.m. at the summer camp near Sioma River in what is now the independent country of Tar- Tar- Targashkistan, uh, Nadi <laughs> Tajakistan. Et- yeah, Tajakistan. <laughs> Uh, fuck I don't know what's silent what's not supposed to be silent anyways (laughs) Nadi S would suddenly awaken with the intense feeling that something was attempting to contact her another camper would wake also but would soon fall back asleep Nadi though would hear a voice inside her head asking if she wished to leave the tent dude I wonder if this is like what happened in Tunguska like the campers, because they could never understand like why the fuck the the campers would want to like leave because it was so fucking cold. Like, you you know, why would you want to go out there and suffer from hypothermia? And there's like, it looked like something didn't like break from the tent from the outside, but oh, something something yeah, happened. Yeah, you said where, Tunguska, but it was Dyatlov Pass. Yeah, there you go. You know, tomato, tomato. Anyways. I mean, Tunguska was a giant explosion. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Which is similar, I guess. Yeah, I'm just thinking that uh, the old wheel cranks got a nog in there. I wonder if that was the same thing where the people in the tent heard voices like, don't you want to come outside? Don't you want to get warm? Do you want to see my secret? And they're like, well, fuck, it's kind of shitty in here. Let's fucking go rock and roll outside in the Siberian (laughs) tundra, you know? Right, right. Anyways, as she began to look around her, she noticed a tall figure. It was behind some bushes, lurking like a pervert, apparently attempting to (laughs) squat and hide. The old stroke and go. Naughty looked at the mysterious figure a little longer. It was similar to a tall man, more to the point she was sure the energy she, she felt inside the tent was coming from this humanoid entity. Then... The figure stood and walked out with his pants down in front of the hedge. (laughs) Shut up. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Nani would begin to walk towards it before a bizarre and strange realization that that was an alien dick. (laughs) That uh, if she walked directly (laughs) at the figure, she wouldn't be able to see it. She began to walk in a circular direction as she neared, neared it, though. It eventually did disappear, and in its place was a shiny spark, which would fade away several seconds later. Although she didn't quite understand the nature of the experience, Nani couldn't escape the feeling that the encounter was of some significance. One point of interest here are the claims of those who can see entities from another dimension, but only from a certain perspective. This was why she chose to approach from, from a bizarre angle. Also, many people who witness shadow people state that they can only see them at the very limits of their peripheral vision. Still, at the same camp two weeks later, Nadi would again wake into the same energy seemingly calling to her. Once again, she would leave the tent, and once again, the humanoid figure with its pants down would be visible to her. <laughs> and it appeared to be slightly hunched over. I mean, he was at the end of what he was doing. Anyways, this time, though, the <laughs> serenity of the early morning was suddenly disturbed rudely by noisy activity from the water nearby. 
you're laughing at my ad-libbing, but I think I'm pretty spot on in my deduction of what this this figure was doing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) As Nani turned her head, she witnessed several luminous humanoid figures. And that's called Bukaki people. Heading. Circle jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In her direction. Old Russian tent circle jerk. <laughs> <laughs> they were seemingly floating slightly above the ground as they moved. The luminous group would de- uh, descend near Nadi, who offered a mental greeting to them for reasons she wasn't sure. A voice would enter her mind asking her where her friend Larissa was. Nadi replied that her friend's room was in another cabin. Then a forgotten memory floated back into her mind. Only the previous evening, Larissa had been rather ill. Nadi was with her when the same luminous humanoids descended on them. One of them moved their glowing arms in a strange but very specific motion. Maybe, you know, like that. I don't know. Again, I'm (laughs) ad-libbing. Gross. Yeah. Ew. Almost immediately, Larissa was well again. The sacred oh, alien gems. That's the gift that keeps on giving. It sounds like Naughty interrupted a late night booty call. Yeah, yeah. Naughty would later describe these luminous entities as having large heads with large slanted type eyes. Their chins appeared particularly pointed, but were most noticeable with a bluish aura that surrounded him. This aura was like a blue flame and appeared fluctuant around them in a similar fire-like motion. Small protrusions were visible on their backs, which one of them explained uh, via Nadi's, you know, mind telepathy, that these were natural power sources. Suddenly, Nadi's memories became lazy. The next, or hazy, the next thing she knew, she awoke in her tent, and the luminous humanoids were gone. The last detail, combined with their glowing appearance and even Nadi's own omission, was that the power sources very much resembled small wings. It is perhaps an obvious similarity to how angels are often depicted. Nadi herself would state that this was the easiest way to describe their physical appearance. What might these entities have been? They interacted with witnesses via telepathy, much the same as any extraterrestrial close encounters. However, there were no sightings of any nuts and bolts craft. These entities appeared and then vanished. However, again, much like alien abduction cases, she would fail to remember their leaving. Her memory would become cloudy, as if there was an intentional block against any recall. Might these entities, who would appear to be more energy-based life forms, also be indigenous to Earth? Or, might they indeed hail from elsewhere in the cosmos and travel here through the use of portals? Regardless of their origin and their sexual intention, given the description of writings of angels throughout (laughs) history, we are to assume their presence has been one that stretches back at least far back as humanity itself, if not before. Damn. Yeah. Late night Russian booty call. I mean, I'm thinking like, uh, you know, if we're making this comparison to like angels and BS, uh, Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, the Nephilim, the watchers, you know, they, they, uh, mm-hmm. they're like watching people like little peeping toms on earth and they're like, you know, fuck human women. <laughs> God damn boy. And, uh, I don't know about you, but let's make a pack. <laughs> let's make some sin, go down there and make some half angel, half human babies. If you know what I'm saying. And the bada bing, bada boom, um, shit happened. So, yeah. 
You know, I kind of like that idea. Um, also, I think the way that angels were originally depicted in the Bible were terrifying. Because didn't they say they had three different faces? Yeah, and their faces were like elongated. Also, are you drinking a Cayman Jack? If you actually, yes, I, I am. <laughs> if you look at, um, if you look at uh, early Renaissance to prior depiction of angels, uh, they're very much mm-hmm. they're they have elongated nose, elongated uh, facial features. They don't look um, angelic like what we think of modern day, you know, Hallmark greeting card pictures of angels are. Um, mm-hmm. they were very, they were very scary. And, uh, even some of the translations of, you know, the words for the angels just meant bringers of knowledge. Um, so, I mean, wouldn't extraterrestrials they were cute or, little cherubs? Yeah. You know, wouldn't they, wouldn't they bring knowledge <laughs> to us as primordial, idiotic, redneck, backwards primates? <laughs> yes, I think you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what's interesting about your story here is it shares a bit of a connection with another one I found that happened in a little town called Orsk that happened only a few weeks later after yours. Your story took place in what, late August? Yes. Well, it was a yes. little after <laughs> it was a little after ten PM one evening in early September nineteen eighty, when a group of four friends sat on the banks of the river Kumak near the town of Orsk while they were night fishing. They were busy arranging their fishing lines, preparing to cast them out into the water, when they said they saw a bright star-like object which appeared overhead. As it moved, it appeared to cast out a circular ring of light, which then split into several different rings, all that went through the air, similarly to how air ripples across the surface of water. The light started growing in size and was very obviously descending. I say, yeah, obvious. Ob- obvious? Yeah, that's a tough word all of a sudden. <laughs> the light was growing in size, and it was obviously descending. The witnesses would estimate by the time it was just about above the ground, the diameter was between 30 to 50 feet across. The closer it got to the ground, the circles of light began to morph into cone-shaped beams. The four young men watched in awe, and after several moments, the craft ascended again. The cone of light, however, would remain on the ground only for a few short seconds, after which it soon faded away. As bizarre as the incident undoubtedly was, the four men would leave their lines and nets in the water and return to their camp base nearby. They would eat dinner and discuss what they might have seen. Perhaps, they theorized, it might have been some kind of natural phenomenon. But even a rocket or a missile test from nearby Kazakhstan. But by 1 a.m., two of the men would turn in for the evening. The other two, however, would return to the riverbank to check their lines and nets to see if they happened to have captured anything. It was a journey like neither had ever experienced. For the pair who ventured down to the riverbanks, it's unclear exactly which members of the group it was, the trip would take a sudden dramatic turn. Without warning, the first witness would find his surroundings changing within an instant. He was suddenly inside a strange room. A strange voice suddenly appeared in his head, instructing him to sit down. So he did so, positioning himself on a rectangular stool in front of him. He would take a look around and note that the entire room appeared as though it was made from gray plastic. 
There was a closed doorway in front, along with an array of piping entering the room through the wall. On the floor, there was a small hatch. As he was looking at the hatch, it suddenly opened. Beneath was another room, and he could see his friend from the riverbank. Then, as if he were under some kind of remote control, the witness stood and began to descend into the room beneath the hatch. He jumped to the floor, landing next to his friend below. As he looked up, it appeared the hatch was now closing. A bright light was moving away from them. They were both trapped in a small basement-like room. So he began to shout at their captors not to go. The next thing both of them knew, their surroundings had changed yet again. Suddenly above them, the two other members of their group were standing there calling their names. They were both standing in a crater about five feet deep. Neither of them could recall arriving there, but what's more, despite the ground being soft due to recent rain, there were no footprints anywhere around the bizarre hole in the middle of nowhere. Furthermore, the time was now after 7 a.m. One of the men who'd gone to sleep for the evening had done so in the group's car. He recalled waking up around 6.30 a.m. to a bright flash of light and a loud hissing sound. Shortly after, he and the remaining member of the group would go out searching for their missing friends. The sighting was also corroborated, at least in part, by a hunter who had also ventured out into the surrounding woodland earlier that morning. He could recall seeing a star-like light emitting a beam of light towards the ground. It would certainly appear to be the case of alien abduction, and one that hypnotic regression would very likely unlock the missing hours and details of such an encounter. Whether any sessions have taken place is unknown, so I don't know, yet again, another bizarre alien abduction. Yeah. You know what the the luminous blue chimbukaki guys reminded me of, too? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I think we we might have covered it on an early episode, but remember the the lake in Russia that's got uh, like uh, the glowing blue men and glowing silver men that come out of it, and they're supposed to be like a hidden oh, underground yeah. c- civilization. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh man, I forgot what that's called, but that's one that uh, Baba Drock had sent us um, to look into and do an episode over. Back when we had asked about, like, um, I forget what the cue was, but on Instagram we had asked, like, what are some of your favorite alien encounters? And, yeah, he mentioned that weird story of the uh, subterranean aliens. Were they, like, giants? I don't I don't quite remember. Yeah, they were, uh, like, Gosh, I don't know, seven feet, eight feet tall. Like, you know, they had a glow, uh-huh. ominous glow about them. And, you know. Man, I really wish I could remember what those were. Because, yeah, you're exactly right. Episode 121, The Festival of Giant Hot Toddies. Uh, ooh, coincidentally enough, I was sick on that episode, too. <laughs> I was, uh, I think I was drinking hot toddies that, that episode. Uh, we talked about the Ninjin. Yeah. I think the Ninjin were the, uh, the big things under the water. I, I believe, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it was. No, was it, was it in Siberia? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere in Russia. Um, Perhaps one of the strangest UFO encounters from the inside of old Soviet Union occurred under an icy water of Lake Bakail in Siberia. There we go. The area is claimed to be the UFO hotspot of researchers with accounts of gigantic objects hovering out of the water 
and even claims of strange figures in shiny suits being sighted in the area. In 1982, according to leaked documents from former officer in the Soviet Navy Vladimir Azirja, military divers witnessed one of the crafts up close. Furthermore, after monitoring it for several days, a deadly battle ensued between a team of divers and apparent occupants of the vehicle, Several humanoids dressed in shiny clothing wearing what appeared to be oxygen masks were witnessed by a seven-strong team of divers. They appeared to engage in a capture one of the strange beings, and then it resulted in them in being defeated themselves with some kind of sonar wave weapon. Wow, I totally forgot about that, man. Yeah. Interesting. So now i got to ask myself, what do we talk about on episode 121? <laughs> the ninjas, some kind of giant swimming giants, I guess. Well, well I, I got one more little bonus story here because we kind of, we're just now at about a half hour point. Uh, let me find it here. I wasn't going to talk about it on this episode, but. That's, uh, Sean's got a case of the old uh, alien bukkake stuck down in there. I, man, I must have, yeah. Jesus, this story is, is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> yeah, I'll cover this one next time, guys. That I will do for sure, because there's actually some pretty interesting photos. So, yeah, let's do that. Oh, I hate to do it, buddy, but <laughs> let's get out of here, because I don't think I can survive. Uh, all right, folks, sorry for cutting it short. If you're on the old Instagram, please check us out at PXL Paranormal. If you're on Facebook, give us a follow at The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, what do you got for us about the old ins, uh, old YouTube? Sorry. So we're mm. up to 230 subscribers with 152 videos. Um, if you're watching this and you enjoy the content that you you uh, listen to and see, <laughs> like and uh, it's subscribe. It's not like this normally. And, and smash, smash, smash that button, and uh, so that you can uh, you know continue on getting all the wonderful content that we produce here at Pixelated Paranormal. And then, as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you're out in the Russian tundra forest in the middle of winter in a tent and uh, you have an alien that's uh, jerking the gherkin in the bushes and uh, getting one off on you and you want to up that game and really, you know, give Mr. Alien a show or maybe the alien circle jerk a show, you need to do yourself a favor and uh, go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com. Once again, that is BigDobsBeardBomb.com. And use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. You can get yourself scents like Bay Rum, Fresh Citrus, and the uh, scent of the week that I'm rocking is mint. I got some old mint in the beard, and I really love it. And uh, get it all. Get it at Dobbs. Hell yeah. I heard you reference the Netflix documentary, The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. What do you think? Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I, I like all those <laughs> yeah. crime documentaries. I didn't think it was going to go in that direction. I don't even remember that uh-huh. um, from all those years ago. Like, uh, I was totally oblivious to that was a thing. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't either. Yep. I don't remember any of it either. And then uh, it's a pretty interesting documentary, though, for sure. Yeah. The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. Check it out. All right, well, if you're in the Wichita area, folks, please stop by and see our dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. And I tell you what, we'll make it up to you next time. Since I almost died on this episode, we'll give you a long, strong one next go-around. Yeah, I might have uh, Haunted America Part 2 Dudley Town ready for us by then. So, Oh, nice. All right, cool, man. Yeah, if you do, that'd be terrific.
Yeah. And I'm going to come back around. If you do Haunted America next time, then I'll come back around and touch on that Russian story because it's an interesting story. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think my voice is about to give out. So um, We should probably do the underwater <clears throat> stuff again too and verify that we covered the right underwater stuff in Russia and maybe deep dive that with that and give them a, a double whammy for that episode. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that next time, a little little housekeeping and then do your Dudley uh, after that, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, dude. Well, <laughs> before I have another coughing fit, let's get out of here. Um, cheers to the weird shit the world knows of us. We'd love to talk about it, folks. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.